Hello and welcome to the Behind the Box Score podcast. It is episode 10 of BTB. That's right, episode 10. We made double digits. Been going for almost three months now. So excited. So let's do a quick recap. My name is Mac Mori. I am the host of this podcast. I live here in Nashville, Tennessee, do radio, and I graduated from the University of Tennessee in Knoxville with a journalism degree, and I've been a sports fanatic my whole life, and I, I've always wanted to uh, just live behind the mic, so that's what I've done ever since middle school and high school. That's what I've been doing, chasing my dream, and part of that happens right here on BTB every week, and I am joined almost every week by someone I went to college with, did radio in college with, studied journalism with. That's right. His name's Alex Comas. Thank you for joining me this week, man. We uh, just concluded week nine of the NFL season, and I want to start off with something, and usually I I have a little banter about Alex's Giants or start off with a little quip of something. I'm going to start off here a little more solemn, a little more serious, and this is, I'm you know, this is not, no joke, Daniel Jones, let's, let's, let's give him a moment of silence here, just tore his ACL reported officially yesterday, Monday, November 6th, so let's just give one quick minute. Very sad. Very sad. Even if uh, this season wasn't necessarily going as planned, you never want to see your quarterback go down, especially with a season-ending injury. Alex Comas, a Can- uh, New York Giants fan, myself, a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Alex, give us your thoughts, man. I know it's, I know it's devastating. Even if the season wasn't necessarily great, just give us, give us your minute. Give us your, t- give us your thoughts. Yeah, um, I feel like for one, this was they, they were asking for this to happen. Uh, with the fact that they put together such a lax- lackadaisical offensive line to to be up front and protect him, um, to where Daniel Jones had to make a lot of plays on his feet this year. And unfortunately, as he's trying to make one of those plays and escape the pocket, um, you know, it, it's, it's going to happen in football um, where your your legs are going to get caught up under you and boom, what do you know? It's a, it's a torn ACL. Um, and, you know, it, it, to make matters even worse, this is the second injury he's had. Um, in this short season so far, through through eight through um, nine games, yep. and your backup quarterback, who is a pretty fairly good backup quarterback in Tyrod Taylor, because he was filling in for Daniel Jones while Daniel Jones was out with his first injury stint, Tyrod Taylor is on your IR. Um, so you're down to your third string quarterback, and it begs the question, which I'm sure we'll get into um, later on this pod is. What what does that mean for the Giants moving forward? Um, especially this season, they were expected to be making a race for the playoffs and contending. And the season started off poorly, but they were still um, positioning. They they were still of the mindset that they were going to compete and uh, do the best they possibly could and and try to make a, a run at the playoffs. But now at this point, when you're on your third string quarterback, it, it makes you re- reconsider your uh, your options and your future going forward, especially now with Daniel Jones out the rest of the season, and now you got to navigate until Tyrod Taylor comes off of injured reserve. Just not a situation anyone wants to be in. So I, I feel for you. Obviously, Tommy DeVito is that third string quarterback, and today Adam Schefter reported that the New York Giants signed Jacob Eason. Um, Eason's played in two games. He's been on the Panthers, the 49ers, the Seahawks, and the Colts. I think I've seen him play in a Colts jersey, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. But again, just two games. Obviously, hasn't, you know, lit up the league or else he wouldn't be uh, a journeyman, you know, third or fourth string guy. And he's now the third string quarterback behind Tommy DeVito and Matt Barkley. So uh, not exactly the most talented quarterback room right now in New York. 
just had to start out with that. Give my condolences to my good friend Alex because we we don't want that here uh, on BTB. Uh, let's let's get into the thick of it though. Here, Alex, we are going to talk a little bit of some Jets football, not necessarily Monday Night Football, which was just a snooze fest uh, against the Los Angeles Chargers. Then we're going to do some true or false. We're going to go through different scenarios because we're halfway through the season. Uh, you know, there's no exact halfway point with 17 games, but we're right there. You know, we're week nine headed into week 10. So we're halfway, maybe a little over halfway of the season with 18 weeks total. And then we're going to talk about our preseason takes um, and kind of talk about what what's good, what we dislike, what we like, what we want to hide and shame over, what we want to boast about all over Twitter and uh, give some season awards um, and, and, you know, pick MVP, pick all those things. So we're going to really go through it today. First, though, I just want to start quickly here, Alex, uh, with the New York Jets, because this defense has just been fantastic. The Chargers gained like a total of like 140 yards or something on offense. Their two touchdown drives were like under 30 yards. I mean, the Jets did everything they can yet again uh, on Monday night to give their team a shot. And, and when you have a piss poor offense like the New York Jets uh, that's centered around Zach Wilson, uh, you're just not going to be able to score points consistently, if at all. And I just think this is such malpractice, such mismanagement of a franchise, because we saw Zach Wilson all of last season saying the same thing, like going, ah, oh, this defense just holding up a, a terrible quarterback, a complete miss, a complete bust in Zach Wilson. You had that data last season. You had 16, 17 games to go off of. You didn't play the whole season. But still, even before that, you had, you had more than a total season's worth accumulated now uh, of games of data to go off and showing you pretty clearly that Zach Wilson wasn't the future. He wasn't the face of the franchise for the New York jets. And you did nothing about it. You, 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 you went and signed Aaron Rodgers. That's what you did about it, but you didn't do anything behind him. You, you just let up a 40 year old quarterback say, okay, this is it. If he gets hurt, uh, well, all our eggs are in one basket. We'll have to go back uh, to the well with Zach Wilson. I just think it's, if you're on that defense, you just got to think it's just totally despicable. I mean, did you not see enough last season? Yeah, and to speak on just how brilliant that defense has been, just look at last night against the Chargers. I mean, it's so easy for them to put pressure on quarterbacks and, and get to the quarterback with three or four-man rushes. Like, they don't even have to run blitzes um, to get significant pressure. They were constantly stifling Herbert. I mean, Herbert was held to 136 yards passing last night. So – to be able to hold a guy like Herbert in, in a Chargers offense that relies a lot on the passing game, to be able to hold them in check and and you still come out of it giving up 27 points. Now, you give up one special teams touchdown and a punt return in the first quarter, obviously not ideal. Yep, yep. Uh, not to mention you had two fumbles. The Jets offense had two fumbles in the first quarter, one by Garrett Wilson and the other by Zach Wilson. Um, so – not not great to be turning the ball over like that so early in the game and put yourself in a 14-zip deficit after the first quarter. But the offense, Mac, this, this really speaks to the problems that they have. The Jets' offense this year is converting a league-worst 22% of third downs. That's wow. the lowest mark in the NFL since 1978. Oh, oh my gosh. Wow, that is abysmal. So, I mean, barely one for every five third downs they're converting. And, and Mac, it's it's easy to tell too because a majority of their first down or third downs last night, it's not manageable. They're they're not in third and four. They're not in third and five. And 
you know, a, a manageable distance to get the, the conversion. It's third and eight, third and 12, third and 15. And to be re- relying on Zach Wilson to pass his way out of that and, and find an open guy to cover that amount of yardage for the conversion, it, it's just, it, it's not, it's not going to happen. You, it's not going to happen. You're not going to be able to convert those. Um, and also, too, it doesn't help them when they were in that 14 deficit and eventually became 17-3 going into halftime. At that point, too, you're putting more of an onus on Zach Wilson because you're down. You have to make that up. So you can't utilize the weapon that you've got in Brees Hall in the backfield because you've got to pass the ball more and can't run the ball as much. And that's the sad part is, is this defense is doing just about everything they can, and they have to every week to give this team a shot. And the offense just looks miserable every week. And, and to even get a field goal out of them seemingly in possessions is is an accomplishment in itself. I mean, you look at the Vikings. They go get Josh Jobs immediately. Kirk Cousins goes down. They know Jaron Hall is not going to be enough to at least remain competitive. Matthew Stafford, uh, his injury didn't seem serious. Now this thumb seems like it may be broken, may keep him out in a few weeks. Bang, they go get Carson Wentz as of today. That happened Tuesday, November 7th when we're recording this. And you look even at, at a team like the 49ers who know, hey, maybe Trey Lance is in the future. We know Brock Purdy is our starter. We don't really have an, uh, a for sure backup plan. Let's go ahead and get Sam Darnold. You just look all across the league that teams are making sure they have a couple of guys. They have a backup plan They're, I mean, it's just normal roster management. And the Jets completely lacked any foresight here. And they're going to have to bank on Aaron Rodgers making a miracle happen. And if you look at the pregame clips, it's starting to look a little bit more likely. I I mean, Aaron Rodgers doing a couple weeks ago, it was just kind of standing there flinging it, you know, 10 yards or whatever, maybe not even 10 yards, just doing something, which is remarkable. No boot on. I mean, less than two months after surgery. Now, here we are a couple weeks later, five-step drop, throwing the ball 55 to 60 yards with what just seems like a flick of the wrist. And I'm telling you, on turf, on a, on a you know, on MetLife Field, in tennis shoes, I mean, it's starting to – what's going to happen? Is he going to come back? I mean, are we really about to watch something truly unprecedented? I mean, I know there's Cam Akers. You know, he came back in, in, in six months or so. But, I mean, 40-year-old quarterback Aaron Rodgers coming back in the next month or two, that's starting to seem more and more plausible, Alex. It, it Look – I would not be surprised if he comes back before this regular season ends, but it's like at that point, is it going to be too little too late? Like, cause you still need to get Zach Wilson to string, string along some wins to put them in any chance of sneaking in and hopefully just bridging the gap to when Rogers is finally able to come back. And I, I certainly hope he does come back and it'd be an impressive feat for, like you mentioned for, you know, how he's up there in age compared to a Cam Akers who was f- fairly young, uh, for him to be able to co- bounce back from that injury would be impressive in itself. But also, too, I'd be a little bit worried for you know, his longevity. And now, bear in mind, he doesn't have much of it left um, in his career. But look at this offensive line. I mean, Zach Wilson got sacked eight times last night. Now, Chargers front, front is pretty good, but this offensive line has not been great all season. Um, so that that's my worries. If Rodgers does rush back or it eventually does get back, you know, it, at that point, are the Jets going to look, if they're out of the picture, are they just going to tell Rodgers, all right, pack it in, we'll, we'll be ready to go next season? Or 
you know, if they are in contention, are they going to rush an Aaron Rodgers back or Aaron Rodgers going to rush himself back out there to be able to bring this team on his back to the playoffs, but then potentially re-injure uh, that, that Achilles or even worse, you know, re-injure another let another muscle in his leg or, yeah. or whatever the case may be. Cause again, your, your Achilles, if it's not a hundred percent healed, the rest of your leg has to overcompensate for that. So you're at more risk for injury with all the other muscles in your leg. If you're having to overcompensate for one spot in your, in your leg or your foot, that's not right. Not a hundred percent. Right. So, so that's my worry. If he does come back is if, if this team is capable of protecting him. I think that's a fair worry. I mean, they've had injuries with Mekhi Becton. Elijah Vera Tucker's been in and out. It was a worry to start the season. I mean, looking at the offensive line going, okay, first of all, they're thin. They don't have a lot of depth there. And second of all, the starters that they do have aren't necessarily top tier. That was another part of this roster where you go, okay, you're bringing in Rodgers. You're paying him all this cash. He even takes a little bit of a pay cut. And you go and get Dalvin Cook, who looks cooked. You can't play him. You could have spent some of that money on some offensive linemen, you could have really started, made this front a little sturdier uh, to protect Aaron Rodgers. They weren't able to do it. Um, and obviously, that's not why the injury occurred. Don't get me wrong. But now you're looking at him possibly coming back and, and making uh, a miracle happen. You're right. That's going to be a worry. Or or spend some of that money on a backup quarterback. Exactly. Or go get a backup quarterback. You could have done that for weeks now. You, you, Josh Dobbs. I mean, there's just so many names. It's absolutely infuriating. Before the deadline, too, there was rumors of of the Vikings uh, talking to the Saints about Jameis Winston. Like the the Vikings, Kirk Cousins gets injured on Sunday, and the Vikings go and trade for a quarterback on Tuesday. Like they are quick to react on that, whereas the Jets were banking on Aaron Rodgers. God bless him, one of the greatest quarterbacks of certainly me, you and I's generation of all time. All right? Of all time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't know about that, but Aaron Rodgers, top top. Yeah, he's top ten of all time. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Oh, top ten of all time. Yeah. Yes. I, I thought you were saying best of all time. Oh gosh, okay, no. Move. Jeez, jeez, jeez. Oh no. <laughs> but j- just going from <laughs> that, they were banking on this guy at the end end of his career to be to stay perfectly healthy throughout the year, I, and and I think their thought process with it was that he would stay healthy this year, and then come next year, let's say, he gets injured. They thought this year under Rodgers would, would prepare Zach Wilson to, to be able to take the job on his own. And If that's clearly, the case, dude, if that's the case, yeah, that is, that is garbage. That is garbage. You think Aaron Rodgers is going to fix that? We saw Aaron Rodgers with Jordan Love. It's not like he was extremely receptive to being uh, you know, his trainer, his mentor, so I don't think it's going to necessarily go the same with Zach. Go differently with Zach Wilson. I and, and some someone that you've seen play so poorly. It's just if that is the case, they're really thinking. You know, we can get two and one here. We'll play Rodgers, uh, pay him, maybe win a Super Bowl, and he'll lead up our next uh, generational guy in Zach Wilson. Yeah, right. Uh, they they should have ditched this a long time ago. Um, they've had so many chances. They still could do it right now. They could still go acquire someone right now. There's still names. That you could you could try and go get. I mean, Carson went sitting on free agency all season. That's much better than what you're getting with Zach Wilson. Sure, there's going to be some mistakes and some interceptions, but you're going to put up some points. He's going to be able to throw it, like he's going to launch it. And and Zach Wilson can't even do that. He's he's holding on to the ball too long. He's obviously nervous. He's in his head. 
it's if if there's any chance for Zach Wilson, I think it's going to take a change of scenery at this point, and that should have happened probably this off season. They should have ditched Zach, traded him, done something, cut their losses, got a real second string quarterback, and then went over with Rodgers. And now here we are, um, Jets at four and four, I believe. Yeah, four and four. I think they're at least they're at least five and three with Rodgers. Probably six and two. Uh, tied for the lead or would be leading in this division because of a bye week one less game played than the Dolphins right now at six and three. And you just look at this and go, damn, I mean, you've got a top five defense, arguably the best defense in the league in the New York Jets, and you're wasting it away. I mean, you've got a lot of talent on there. I, I haven't looked at the contract years. I'm sure there's some guys they're going to lose this next season. I mean, it's two years in a row now. They've had a top five defensive unit to have that three years in a row uh, it, it's it's unlikely, and to not pair it even with a league average offense in those two years is is a shame. Is absolutely a shame. Uh, let's go to true or false here. Uh, so I, I wrote down, I think I got like fifteen or sixteen different true or falses here on the midway point, and I'm just gonna say a statement, and Alex, you'll tell me if it's true or false, and we'll go back and forth, and it's gonna be fun. So here we go. Uh, true or false? C.J. Stroud is already a top 10 quarterback. He had 470 yards against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He set an NFL rookie record in the Texans' 39-37 win against Tampa Bay, driving down the field of what seemed effortlessly going to get a game-winning touchdown. As you can hear, Alex, you know, frantically scribbling down some notes, trying to get his answer here. He doesn't want to put C.J. Stroud in the top 10. He doesn't want to give me that satisfaction. I may have already given away my answer. Alex, what do you got, true or false? Unfortunately, Mac, I'm going to have to tell you, you may be correct on that. I'm going to say true. (laughs) Come on. Now, just curious, how many quarterbacks would you definitively have better than him right now? Yeah, so so this is in no particular order whatsoever. I've got Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts. I'd say Kirk Cousins. Yeah. And... Paints, you see, th- this is where I feel like it's it's, it's a toss up. Like Dak Prescott, like I, I'm thinking of our our buddy Draven Fine, that he he'd be like, if you guys don't say Dak, you don't know what you're talking about. So I'll I'll say some people may argue Dak on that list, but either way it goes, that's that's only eight. So, I yeah, I I think it's safe. To, it's true. It's safe to say, um, C.J. Stroud's on there, like. When I was trying to think of quarterbacks and I was going through divisions and looking at teams, you know, I thought to myself, Matthew Stafford, but at the end, the way he's played um, the last season and a half, I mean, it just, it just yeah, hasn't been there. It, it hasn't been there. the Super Bowl run Stafford. So, or nowhere near the Detroit Stafford era. So yeah, I, I just couldn't put him on there. Um, and, and Tua, you can make the argument, you know, should he be on the top in the top 10? You know, I, I definitely would entertain that, but it, it's hard to look at Tua in these big games that the Dolphins have played in which they haven't won, and especially, too, and we'll get into it with with the Chiefs. I, I mean, to miss Cedric Wilson on that on that oh, touchdown pass oh. this weekend, it, it that one left a sour taste in my mouth uh, regarding Tua. Uh, I mean, just just wide open. And and to short arm it as much as he did on that pass, it's t- it's tough to to look, it's tough to look away at his downfield struggles 
I mean, he just doesn't have that type of arm. Yeah, um, or, or or when he's pressured, or when the game's on the line, does he have that next level? Extend a play, make a great throw. I don't know if two has shown us a lot of that. And you're right. I mean, that short arm. Uh, I mean, Alex, I watched that over and over again. I'm going, did did we hit him? Did we get a tip? I mean, something happened, right? There's no way because uh, it didn't. It wasn't even a miscommunication. No, it was just a terrible throw. I mean, a terrible throw. He's ten yards short. I, I mean, and it was a touchdown. I mean, it was a touchdown. Uh, so I, 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 I can't put Tua above CJ. I think Tua is a great quarterback, and he still may be top ten. But yeah, I've got seven, seven above CJ. I think, I think I was play. I missing anyone in that? Did you say Trevor Lawrence? I did not. Yeah, so I'd put Trevor. I wouldn't. I don't think I'd have Dak. I could see it. Um, wouldn't be upset if someone had Dak above him. But no, yeah, I think I. I put Trevor over Tua. I'd yeah, probably, oh, for I'd sure. Put Trevor over Dak for sure. For sure. Um, for yeah, sure. Yeah, so I'd say I'd say Strout, like he, he's creeping in there. He, he's he's in there. I, I would say definitively the way he's played this year, he's in there. I started to mention this after week two or week three. Uh, you can see it. I boasted about it on Twitter, and I'll bring it up here I later on the preseason he's takes. A top ten quarterback. I don't know if you no, went that I, far. I no, think, what I did I think say, your measuring stick was best rookie quarterback yes. CJ Stroud. Best no 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 no. My let's get this correct. Best rookie quarterback season of all time. And that is in writing on Twitter. We can go back. That was after week two or week three, and I just actually reposted it. Uh, after this uh, amazing performance from CJ Stroud, because I knew I was, I knew that's what, what was my belief. I think we were watching the best rookie quarterback season of all time, and CJ Stroud yet again proved me right. Four hundred seventy yards, a rookie record. How many more reposts are you going to do throughout the season? <laughs> I should have done one after Josh McDaniels got fired, which we didn't even mention. We'll talk about that later because uh, that was my first coach to be fired. It was Hemmer Stefanski. I said we the first coach is fired, and Josh McDaniels. Was that one? But uh, stop! I'll brag more later, Alex. It's okay. I'll brag more later. Um, let's go over. Uh, okay, the Bills are going to miss the playoffs. True or false? False. False. Look, they they've struggled, Mac. But I think at the end of the day, they're going. This team is still good enough to where they're going to find a way. Um, it it may not be within the division. Um, because if the Dolphins continue to take care of business against teams that they should win against, um, then, you know, the Dolphins will win the division, but I still think the Bills will end up at, as a wild card at the very least. However, the Dolphins struggles against good teams continue to worry me to where the Bills, if they get rolling, they could still win that division. I agree. I think they could get rolling. I think Josh Allen is going to have to step up and be MVP type player for that to happen. The Bengals had the same record at this point last season. They were five and four as well. Um, and people were going, Oh, the Bengals not necessarily, you know, top of the league anymore. And and they were fine, right? They were in the AFC championship game all was well. I, I think what worries me about the bills is it, they don't have an excellent running game. James cook is good, but he's been more proficient in the passing game. And the defense isn't what it was. They've they've lost, you know, Milano, Tredavious White, uh, Von Miller's coming off the injury. He's there. He's he's not Von Miller right now. I I and Rasul Douglas was a nice ad. He actually had a couple good plays against the Bengals last week in that loss. I just don't think they have enough. 
I think there's a chance. I did have them missing the playoffs before the season, so that may be also another thing where I'm like, oh, I'm going to be right. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they made it, but I think I'm going to go true here. I think I'm thinking I'm going to go true. Bills are going to miss the playoffs. I, I'm i worried about, again, the run game and uh, the lack of defensive prowess, and I think you know, you look at the AFC. I mean, there's four teams. All four teams in the AFC North uh, could make it. You, you've got the Jags, obviously. The Texans are up and coming. They're four and four. We'll see what happens. Uh, the Chiefs, for sure. The Chargers are there. And then, yeah, the Dolphins, Bills, and you have to say the Jets as well. I mean, there's just so many teams contending right now that it's hard to say, yeah, Bills, they're making the playoffs. I, I don't know. I think, again, wouldn't be surprised, but I'm going to go true here. I'm going to go true. They're going to miss the playoffs. Okay. Next time we do cross off, I dare you to cross them off. Not gonna happen. I don't have I don't have that kind of cojones. Uh, okay, let's go. At least uh, speaking of the AFC North, uh, at least three AFC North teams will make the playoffs. Currently, if the playoffs started today, all four would be in the two seed, five, six, and seven seeds. It would be what they'd be. And you look at their division: Ravens at seven and two, and then five and three: Steelers, Browns, Bengals. So at least three teams from the AFC North make the playoffs. What do you think? I'm going to say true, Mac, because because this is what I predicted in the preseason. (laughs) I had had the Bengals winning the division, the Browns uh, six seed, and the Steelers as a seven seed. So, Oh, my God. You had the Ravens. Ravens. I was wrong on the Ravens. Yeah, that's a bad thing. But – Hey, three out of four. I still had that right. So uh, yeah, I'll give I'm you a, say true. I'll give you half a win there. Missing the Ravens is a bad miss, but that that's that's fair. That's still good. You you knew this division was going to be extremely competitive. They have been, and just from that right there, Bills make the playoffs. Three teams make the playoffs from AFC North. I've kind of got your AFC playoffs already mapped out here. It looks just from my quick napkin math that you're going to have Dolphins, Bills, uh, three teams from the AFC North, Jags and Chiefs. That would be your seven right there. Uh, for the AFC, yep. it's it's not a bad pick. Um, curious, which three from the AFC North would you pick right now? I would say Ravens, Bengals, and I'll say Browns. I think, and that's the question, right? I mean, Ravens and Bengals—they're in. Um, Bengals and Ravens you could you could argue those are the two best teams in the league as of today. Uh, and then, yeah, it's between Pittsburgh and Cleveland, and yeah, Cleveland possibly the best defense in the league. The offense is just, uh, it's so hard to watch. I don't they, know. They've got a good running game, though. Like, they do. Th- that That's running fair. game is strong. That offensive line is, is can, like, that offensive line is built to run behind. And, and with Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt, they've got a great duo between the two of them. Jerome Ford's been great in the place of Nick Chubb. Um, so I, I really like their running game. And Amari Cooper on the outside has been fantastic. And Joku has been better in recent weeks. I mean, somehow, some way, Mac, they've been able to win games with PJ Walker at quarterback. You know, hopefully, Deshaun, as he gets healthier, he gets a little bit better. So, at the end of the day, I can't go against that. How great that defense has been, and and just the fact that they're no matter what, they're going to be able to run the ball against any team. Yeah, I like the I like the fact that they can run the ball. The Steelers haven't shown me that until on Thursday against the Titans when they rushed for like over 150 yards. Najee Harris looked like he had speed again, looked like he knew how to sprint. 
He didn't Jaylen know. Jalen Warren looked great. Jalen Warren was awesome. They were getting him snaps. They were getting him more involved. I like those two guys as players. I think Jalen Warren's better. I've said that since before the season started. But I think those two are good running backs. If they can somehow start to make this work, uh, a little bit better blocking, just create some holes, better play calling from Canada, and some maybe, uh, you know, have to respect the pass game at all. If you could make any defense respect Kenny Pickett as a passer, they could maybe open up some of that run game. And they have the defense too. It's not maybe where the Browns are, but uh, you know they're top ten defensively. So I, I think I'd go Steelers. But again, that's just too. That's so close to call. And I, I will also, um, I'll go. I'll go false though on this one. If it was three, I think I'd pick the Steelers. But I am going to go false. Okay, let's go over here. Green Bay over to the NFC. They're the 11 seed right now. They're at three and five. Their next three games are the Steelers, the Chargers, and the Lions. Green Bay makes the playoffs. True or false? I'm going to say false. False. Agree. Mac, you're you're gonna. I think you're gonna you're gonna hate me for this. Okay. But I say that because I think that there will be two. NFC South teams <gasps> that make the playoffs. Whoa! <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, what? Why? Who? The Saints and the Falcons? I, th- I think the I, I think the NFC is so bad to where like you look at it. Go go with the divisions here. You got NFC East Eagle Eagles and Cowboys, right? That's two two of the two of the seven right there. All right. Then you have 49ers. Odds are will win the division. Seattle will come out of there. That's four out of the seven. All right, so you have three spots left. You go Lions. Okay. And then the yep. NFC South winner, whoever that may be between the Saints, Bucks, and Falcons. Do I trust the Vikings with Josh Dobbs to come out of there with the wild card? Yeah, I, come I, on. I come on. I don't know, Mac. Like, I, I really think they're about on par with whoever doesn't win the NFC South between the Falcon, Falcons, Bucks, and Saints. Like, let's say, the, let's say the Saints were to win it, all right? Then you have the Bucks and the Falcons outside looking in, competing with the Vikings for that final wild card spot. Mm-hmm. If you want to throw the Commanders in contention there, too. And I would. I, I, just, I just would put the odds in one of those NFC South teams getting in strictly due to the fact that those teams defensively, they've played fairly well this year. In offense, they you know, you look at the Falcons and the Bucks, like they have the weapons on offense to make it work. It's just they need the quarterback to play turnover free ball and play competent ball to where they just put up, up enough points on the board to win games that they need to. And especially in a weak division that they have, I I I I take them. Like for the Vikings, it'll be harder for them to go up against a Green Bay team and a Chicago team in division and win those games, especially when you're on a guy who was just brought into your team last week. And to see the – trust me, as a VFL, to see Josh Dobbs succeed is incredible to watch. But for me, I just don't know if I put a ton of faith in it. I mean, two, a bad thing that happened to them this weekend is Cam Akers tore his Achilles again. Uh, so I know. You're you're stuck with the Alexander Madison running game that has not been good this year. Now, if Justin Jefferson with Justin Jefferson back again, these things could change. But you need Josh Dobbs to be able to get the ball to them, and I I just don't I don't trust it. I don't trust the Vikings team to be able to to, to do it. There's just so much fun though, right? 
I mean, come on. It's just, it's the, it's the most fun story in football. Josh Job goes there. He wins the game. He doesn't know any of the players' names. He's never taken a snap from the center. He has never thrown to these wide receivers. He's come in after Jaron Hall uh, gets, unfortunately, uh, hurt in a sack. And he comes in and wins the game. Dobbs is just so much fun. He's been uh, just a great story. And I, so I'm going to be rooting for them. But you're right. I, I actually don't hate this take. Really looking at this picture, it it's completely plausible, especially because the Falcons now have put in Tyler, Taylor Heineke. Um, if they can keep with Heineke instead of Desmond Ritter, I think there's a better chance for this happening. But I don't know, man. The Vikings are still giving me a, – like I'm still – they're right there. They're right there. I think the commanders are right there. But I think you're right. I think really the genesis of this was the Packers, and I think we're both pretty positive that that's not happening. No. No, I mean, I'm I'm not putting much stock into them beating a Rams team exactly. uh, without Matthew Stafford. You know, Thank the, you. The, they looked horrible last year without Matthew Stafford, and things haven't changed much. So um, I, I, I just can't. I, I, just a win against the Rams, it doesn't elevate the stock of the Packers for me at all. Uh, many people obviously thought differently. That's why I put it in here. I had been seeing that all over social media. Oh, Green Bay finally figuring out they were one of the hot teams of the offseason. Uh, just kind of a popular team to cling on to. Jordan Love, this is it. They're going right, you know, from Favre to Rodgers to Love. This is it. And it's just, it, it hasn't been it so far. And that brings us to our next true or false. Jordan Love's the quarterback of Green Bay next year. Right now, 59% completion, a uh, little over 1,700 yards, 12 touchdowns, eight picks halfway through the season. I say true in terms of he starts off as a starter. But I would not rule out, depending on where they fall in the draft, if a quarterback – you know, it's going to be a pretty quarterback-heavy um, draft class this season. I, I would not be surprised at all um, if they pick up a quarterback in the draft and that's their plan B for if the Jordan Love experiment continues to go the way it go, the way it's been going this year. Um, go next come next year that brings us to our next true or false josh jobs who we just spoke on now the vikings quarterback who's ha- had a fantastic season with both the cardinals and-, and the vikings he's a starter in this league and, and i'm going to start off on this one that's true he's a top 32 quarterback he he's got over 1700 yards passing 10 touchdowns five picks 63 percent completion again on a cardinals team and a first you know debut with the vikings having not known the playbook let alone the guys he's playing with i I think Dobbs has proven this year that he can step into almost any situation and create winning drives and and winning opportunities. And that's what you need in a starting quarterback. I think he'd be the best second string in the league, perhaps. But I I, I think he's a top 32 quarterback. Are you going to go make the playoffs with him? I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see with Minnesota this year, right now. But I think that puts him at 32. I can't name 32 quarterbacks better than Josh Dobbs. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree on that. I'll say that's true. Yeah, now, I don't I don't I don't know if he's that. That's the thing, Mac. Like a a perfectly all quarterbacks across the league, perfectly healthy, best backup in the league. I I don't know. I I don't know if I'm willing. Yeah, that's the thing. I that's what I'm trying to kind of cycle through in my head. I guess just the fact that he's proved it to us this year through his performance, then that's fine. Yeah, I'll take I that. Mean, yeah, Sam Darnold, 
uh, would be up there as competition for that. I, I wouldn't mind if someone. I'm a, I'm a Darnold guy. I'm in the same Darnold camp. Mike White. Mike White, absolutely, absolutely a name. That's fair. I think Dobbs is above Mike White. If you want to say Dobbs is an above Sam Darnold, I'm okay with that. I think I'm one of the few guys who thinks Darnold actually still has a say to be a starter in this league as well. But yeah, Drew, I, Drew Lock, Drew Lock, maybe, but not Dobbs. Not like Dobbs. No way. No. No. Yep. no. You're you're right, Matt. You're right. Hey. I will say, though, before Jaron Hall got – I mean, he only played one drive and got hurt on the very end of it. Jaron Hall didn't look bad. No, he's all right. He's competent. I think there's at least – there is a place to – this is a launching pad. There's there's some film to look at and say, okay, I mean, this wasn't nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if it's like if you're a Bears fan right now and you're watching Tyson Bajant, you're like, okay, there's some flashes. Like, he, he's got some moxie. He's really confident. There's a couple nice throws he can make. Uh, obviously a little bit more of a sample size with Bajent more than a drive. Um, but let's go here next to a, a, another quarterback who's faced some criticism. And this has been an ongoing argument even before the season started. Steelers fans wanted this guy fired um, because they, they wanted their face of the franchise to have someone better in charge. But now the conversation's kind of flipped. Kenny Pickett is the problem, not Matt Canada. True or false? I'm going to say false. I I think I, – I really feel like Matt Canada puts a lot of handcuffs on the Steelers' offense for the weapons that they have at their disposal. I mean, we've we've talked about it on this pod throughout the season, um, how Jalen Warren is – yeah, you, you said it earlier, and you've said it from the beginning, how Jalen Warren is the better back to Najee Harris, yet they continually deploy Najee Harris more snaps every week and more touches every week than Jalen Warren. I don't know how much that's on Matt Canada, to be fair. Yes, it, it should be in a perfect world. Your offensive coordinator should be deciding who's starting, who's not, who's getting the rock, and who's not. But we know that GMs and head coaches, especially when it comes to first-round picks, especially when it comes to risky first-round picks, like a running back in Najee Harris, it starts the, the say starts to spread out as far as who really gets to make that final call. I don't know if that's Matt Canada. And, and just to be clear, I'm... I'm going true. Kenny Pickett's the problem, not Matt Canada. Now, now, let me say, I don't believe that's because Matt Canada is a great OC and he's the next Kyle Shanahan or anything like that. But you're yeah. watch, at least in these last two weeks, I've watched the almost all 99% of their last two weeks, and I've watched them, a lot of them this season. And guys are open. I mean, guys are just open. I mean, they are. Uh, Kenny Pickett's either completely missing them being open and not looking their way, not even going through his progressions, or he's just missing the throw. He doesn't have the arm talent. He doesn't have the accuracy. He doesn't have the athleticism to get out of the pocket and get that extra half second that he needs to reach Deontay Johnson on his land. He, he, he's, he doesn't have the torque to get the ball high enough over a defensive back while George Pickens is streaking down the sideline, one of the best athletes in the league. I, I just don't see it with him. Six touchdowns, four picks this whole season. He's missed a half or something, but that's really it. Uh, C.J. Stroud has more career passing touchdowns in eight games than Pickett does in 21 games. And again, I know C.J. Stroud, we just we just talked about him. He could be a top 10 quarterback right now. It could be the best rookie season ever we're watching. But again, 21 games to eight. It's insane. It's asinine. And if you're a Steelers fan, I'm not saying all the – the blame goes on either one, but I'm I'm giving now 
more of the share of the blame to Kenny Pickett and not Matt Canada. Yeah, that, that's that's fair. I mean, to bring bring those those sort of stats to the table is, is mind boggling. Uh, but I, I think also that's what that's the thing. I, I wish that we would see kind of more of those explosive plays drawn up. Um, and, and that's the thing you, you can never really tell if it's more of a Kenny Pickett um, thing in terms of, you know, he's just not finding these guys or it, it's the play calling. Um, and, and that's maybe Matt Canada's, and that's my thinking with it is, is Matt Canada. It almost feels like they're running the same offense they ran with big Ben at the end of his career when big Ben had nothing left to throw downfield. So they had to keep it all short. And, and that's for, or Kenny Pickett, I feel like for the most part, that's the way the Steelers' op- offense is operated. But there's been these glimpses of when he does hit a deep one, George Pickens, for 40 yards two weeks ago to get to put them in the lead and, and, and win the game. Like, those those things happen and people are like, oh, then it's it's not the Kenny Pickett problem. It's Matt Canada. So that's, that's my I, – I really can't tell, but I, I agree with you in terms of Kenny Pickett – has not sold us by any means that he's their franchise guy moving forward and that he's, you know, going to be a great quarterback in this league by no means. But I, I do think that Matt Canada's offense lacks really any creativity and it's just, it's, it's frustrating to watch. I agree with that. The lack of innovation and creativity is extremely frustrating. There's just not a lot of pre-stat, pre-snap motion. We've seen Kenny Pickett excel in no-huddle offense situations. In that fourth quarter, that he comes alive. They start to hit some deep passes. The running game opens up a little bit. So as an offensive coordinator, I think you'd watch that and go, okay, can we incorporate some of this into our just every drive offense? You know, a couple plays here and there where we, we go no-huddle, where we just speed up the entire pace of this unit. And instead, they've remained one of the slowest, least innovative offenses in the league, not really giving Kenny Pickett a lot of that edge that he does need um, to go up against these defenses and maybe have a chance to win. So, again, I'm not saying Canada's an all-star, but at least these last two weeks against the Jags and the Titans, I've watched them, and I've just seen missed throw and missed read after missed throw and missed read. And at some point or another, you got to start looking at the quarterback. Um, and I, again, Canada's not an all-star. He may be fired after this season as well, but I think I'm going 60, 40 here right now uh, on Pickett not being the guy. And if I'm the Steelers, I, I'm, I'm figuring out my next plan. Kenny Pickett is not it. He will not compete in this AFC. He will not compete in that tough, tough division that they have for much longer. And, and, and this is another team, you know, we talk about the Jets and this defense carrying them. I mean, this is the only team in Super Bowl era to have a winning record through eight games, despite being outgained in every game. I mean, and now we're nine games in, so I don't, I believe they were outgained last week as well, but either way, I mean, that is insane that 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 can't be happening and you've got a a generational talent in tj watt that's withering away you're you're wasting his prime i mean a hall of famer first ballot gold jacket player tj watt may win another defensive player of the year this year and it's not gonna matter you're gonna go get nine games you may make a wild card and, and and you'll get your ass whooped and it's just you've got to go figure something out you have to figure something out mike tomlin and the steelers right now because you have you have an opportunity. You really do, and it's it's going to go by very quickly. A credit to Mike Tomlin, though. Though with this team, they'll still find a way to grind out a nine and seven record. 
<laughs> they will. They will. They will. And listen, I'm I'm a Tomlin guy. I'm not one of the people who's like fire Tomlin. He's fake. No, I'm not. I'm not there. Yeah. I've always been a Tomlin truther. Um, you know, I haven't necessarily been always a truther for as far as head coaches are concerned. That's Arthur Smith. Uh, true or true or false? Arthur Smith is garbage. Uh, true. It, it, <laughs> true. True. 18 and 25 since taking over since the start of 2021. Uh, Tyler Algier is out touching Bajan 26 to 12 inside the red zone this year. Alex, you added that stat. That's absolutely abysmal. And, uh, and then, yeah. Did you see his quote today, yes, Matt? Yes, please, please go, go ahead. Go ahead, Alex. <laughs> he, they asked him about Bijan's lack of usage inside the red zone and, and, and just lack of usage overall. I mean, for as great of a prospect that Bijan Robinson is and as explosive as he is, Arthur Smith's answer to his lack of usage of Bijan was he sometimes he creates more space without the ball. Yep, he creates space without the ball. <laughs> I I didn't realize we were that Arthur Smith was a coach in the NBA and I the yeah. Atlanta Falcons were a basketball team. <laughs> yeah, Bijan's he's a great off ball. He's a great off ball player, Alex. You should really see him move without the ball. His cutting is excellent. <laughs> Oh God, it's it's laughable. I I, I for, for like the, all the talent that they have on this team. I know it's ridiculous how he d- refuses to get any of those guys the ball. Bijan Robinson, Drake London, some weeks will come up with one catch or zero catches for that matter. Best wide receiver on the team, Kyle Pitts. Kyle for Pitts the, for the all the athleticism that he brings to the table. One one of the most athletic tight ends in the league would. Honestly, on any other team, they would use him at maximum and get the ball in his hands as much as possible. And he's a peripheral figure in this offense, so much so that he's basically tight end two on this team because John O. Smith is at a resurrection under Arthur Smith uh, back running back to their Tennessee days before John O. got the bag and went to New England. I mean... It's it, it just it frustrates me so much, Mac, because this Falcons team I was so excited to watch this year, and we go and Arthur Smith too is is labeled as this, at, at least he was labeled as this offensive guru genius kind of guy. Yeah. Um. It in terms of his creativity, and for him to get all these guys who are so talented, and to not use them, it, it's just frustrating to watch because this team is not fulfilling its potential well and you look at it and you go yeah he's not utilizing his top talent what does drake london kyle pitts and Bijan robinson all have in common they're all they're, they're all top 10 picks i mean the, the, these are guys that gm terry fontenot brought in and what's been going on now is he was hired three years ago and since he got hired he's been talking about this three-year plan this three-year plan. i've got this three-year plan don't worry and Frankly, the drafts have been good. Their team has gotten more talent each year. He's acquired some really good players. I mean, even last year, Tyler Algier as a rookie running back was really solid, a thousand yard rusher last season. But you got to, if you're Terry Fontenot and you're watching this, you're going, well, what the hell, man? I, I, I've gotten you so much. And this three year plan's not going anywhere because you won't put the guys in the position to go play and go make, make plays happen. Now, I, I do think Arthur Smith is a really smart football mind and he does know how to eye talent. Like he went and poached Johnny Smith uh, in free agency this off season. And Johnny Smith is a tight end that hasn't been utilized correctly since, you know, three, four years ago with Arthur Smith in Tennessee yep. as a Titan. 
It's a t- it's a tight end who runs a four four. He's extremely athletic. And we've seen him. He's the he's the <laughs> been the best tight end on the team over Kyle Pitts this season. You look at Tyler Algier. He's he's still you know learned how to utilize him. Cordell Patterson revitalized his whole career at, at, as a running back and a wide receiver. Arthur Smith smart. I think he'd be a great OC probably. I mean he was a great OC in Tennessee. Um, he he opened up Ryan Tannehill and made this that Titans offense that's looked putrid now for the last few seasons something worth note. I mean, a top five offense for at least one season, maybe two. Um, and he just make him as the final decision maker may not be the way to go, but I think he's talented. I think he belongs in this league, but I don't think it's as a head coach. I don't. And I don't know where they go from here. If, if they don't make the playoffs this season, I imagine that's at least starts to be a conversation. Um, his seats probably increasing in temperature, but I don't think he gets fired this season if they miss the playoffs. I don't. Do you? I think he does. Okay. Wow. Okay. Because, I mean, for one, you could tell, too, the way in which the fan base feels about it. I mean, oh, for sure. It's, it's, it's on the same boat in terms of all this talent, all these picks, top picks that they've acquired, and these guys have panned out. It's not like they've been bust. And still, at the end of the day, it's the same old Falcons. I, I think it'd be hard for for Arthur Blank and, and Fontenot to ignore that um, and feel as though that Arthur Smith all of a sudden next year would be able to to turn this team around because it's still nothing. It seems like nothing changes with this team. Like they don't look any better or worse each week. It's just ebbs and flows of up and downs every single week. Um, and then when Mac Jones gets or sorry, not Mac Jones, Arthur Smith gets questioned too on his offensive philosophy and why he's not using certain guys and whatever the case may be. I mean, his contentiousness is continually building with the media. I mean, look at Kurt Warner. Kurt, Kurt Warner questioned um, some of the his play calling um, that he's had with for Ritter this season. And Arthur Smith dismissed Kurt Warner basically in his whole career which is not a great thing to do considering Kurt Warner for all the success that he had in the National Football League. You know, he's earned his role as an analyst and and he's yeah. allowed to question your your the way in which you've been running your offense so for you to dismiss it it just it makes it look bad on you and it, it continually looks bad every every week when you're pulling out quotes about how Bijan creates more space off the ball for you. <laughs> Uh, you know, do you know his dad is the founder of FedEx, Arthur Smith? Yes, my that's, dad that's works crazy. for FedEx. Oh, really? <laughs> wow. Yes. So your dad works for Arthur Smith's dad. Wow, that's that's incredible. I mean, obviously a, a, a long line in between, I, I assume, your dad and Arthur Smith's dad. But yeah, it's just kind of nuts. I mean, that's, that's also something weird about Arthur Smith that you just like, oh, what? Your dad's literally a billionaire and you're here coaching an NFL team. So kudos for Arthur Smith. I mean, at least like working his way up, like any other coach, any other human would and, and fighting his way and not using necessarily um, him starting at third base as an excuse or as a, as a reason why he's, he's better than anyone, but he is pompous and he is kind of rude. And I don't know if that's because of that, but it, it's, it's frustrating. It, it's, it's in, when you see him in these media sessions, you're just like, why are you being a jerk, man? I, I don't understand it. And you're right. It's going to catch up to him. Okay, we've got more of these left. We're going a little slow, so let's kind of pick this up here. AJ Brown, a top a top three wide receiver, true or false? I'm going true here. 
Um, first wide receiver ever, ever to record at least 125 yards receiving in six straight games this season. Last game, the Cowboys were able to mute him a little bit uh, under 100 yards. Um, still producing, but not to the level that he was those six straight games over a thousand yards right now, six touchdowns. Everyone's talking about Tyreek being this, you know, mega all-star. He's going to, he's going to break the 2000 yard record. I mean, AJ Brown's 71 yards behind him. It's not the gap that I think a lot of people are saying that it is. Yeah. I, I'm going to say true on this statement as well. And I would say his performance this season has put him in top five prior to the season. I would have said Diggs, Jefferson, Tyreek, Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase is top five. I think AJ Brown has gotten his spot in there. Top and three. Cooper Cup, I'd top three. Because that's what that's what that was. AJ Brown's a top three receiver. That's the prompt here. I, I I'm not prepared to put him top three. I think he's. I think he's. I put him I top five. Three. I think he's number three. Okay. I I'm giving. I'd still take Tyreek, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar. I think I'm yeah, I think I'm taking Tyreek and Justin for sure. But no, I think I think AJ's next. And then probably Jamar Chase. And no, then probably yeah. It's tough because it's 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 really I don't know if I'd have Jamar in my top five, honestly, man. I think I'd have Stefan Diggs and CeeDee Lamb ahead of him. I think I would. I think I'd have Jamar at six. And I think that's I've a got... super hot take for a lot of people, but I don't think it should be. Yeah, that's that's a hot take. I don't think it's it should a, be. It's a hot I, take. It's not. I think it's the name. I think it's Joe Burrow. I think it's the success they've had as a team have made people think that. But what Stephon Diggs is even doing right now is is, is incredible. I mean, C.D. Lamb's been on a run. Um, C.D. Lamb's been on a run. That's the thing. That's that's why I'm not prepared. Like body of work overall. Like these guys still have more to their record than C.D. Lamb. Now, now, C.D. Lamb, if he keeps playing like this through the rest of the season, then, yeah, let's have the discussion. The thing with Jamar Chase is he also has a top-three quarterback on his team with the best wide receiving core and, and a budding young head coach. So I, he's got everything made for him, and I don't want to necessarily count that as a minus against him. But I, I can't help but at least bring it into the fray as I think about it. Um, the Chiefs' offense can't be fixed as is. True or false, Alex? You, you want me to take this first? All right, fine, I'll go. This is this is false, okay? But let's lay it out first. They've scored less than 24 points in six games this year. Last year, they only did that three times. Um, but they can be fixed. Now, let's look at this week against Miami. 14 points scored, uh, 21 points scored in the game. 14 points scored offensively, obviously. That crazy scoop six uh, from a combination of McDuffie, uh, Mike, Mike Edwards, and, and Byron Cook. What a electric play against Tyreek Hill, former chief, obviously. So much fun. Uh, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. I think we saw the right guys in the game. I saw the correct pieces to the puzzle last week, which I couldn't say about previous weeks. Now, I, I, you know, Alex, I've been here on this pod just droning on and on about who needs to be in the game for the Kansas City Chiefs. And that starts with Rasheed Rice, rookie wide receiver. He has to be in the game. And he was 75%, I believe, of the snaps last week. He didn't get the targets. That's the next step. But he's in the game. He's running the routes. He had two targets. He got the screen pass for a touchdown. Yep, he got the screen pass for a touchdown. What was his other catch? A third and four for a first down that ended up being the Chiefs' second touchdown drive. Rasheed Rice was imperative in that game. He got two passes. He needs to be a bigger part of it. He's the second best pass catcher on this Kansas City Chiefs team. There's really no argument about it right now. He has to be on the field. They're starting to put him there. Marcus Valdez, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, 
uh, professional runner, professional cardio guy. Uh, he's got to start catching the ball. He needs to. He still needs to be out on the field. Uh, uh, he does. And then I'm going to say it, man. You saw Kadarius Tony catch one pass, and it was a wide receiver pass. It was a little slant. And his yards after catch, I mean, he breaks a tackle. He jukes at a guy. spin moves another. I mean, he gets an extra 10, 15 yards on this play, and it was electric. And it's like, hey, that was a wide receiver route on a on a, on a actual passing play. He got a first down. He made some moves. It wasn't a screen pass. It wasn't a jet sweep. It wasn't any sort of gadgety thing. It wasn't a go route. It was a wide receiver play. And we need to see more of that. Give him the chances. Did he have the worst week one we've ever seen, maybe in the history of week ones, in the history of weeks ever from a wide receiver? Yes, absolutely. He was thrown to, you know, three or four times. He dropped all the passes, and one of them ended up pick six because of it. Yeah, he was completely abysmal. It was dreadful to watch and even more dreadful now that I'm thinking about it. But we're, we're two months removed. Since then, he doesn't even really – I think he has one drop since then. And he's – been solid in the minuscule opportunities that he does get but i think he played seven or eight snaps last week and he got a target and it was great target and a catch so he's another guy that has to be utilized more and you look at another reason here for for this chief's offense being able to be fixed is they're tied for the most penalized team in the league right now alex that's not being talked about enough it's it, we keep talking about the wide receivers and and patrick mahomes but they're kicking themselves in the foot I mean, like time and time again, they're kicking themselves in the face uh, over just making these silly mistakes. They they have to to just get out of their own way. And I believe Andy Reid, being the coach that he is, is going to be able to settle these guys down and make them play a little cleaner football. Uh, Next thing I'd say is you look at their charts on on as far as just percentage of of personnel packages that they're running and what sort of yards they're getting, what sort of success rate 12 personnel has been fantastic for them. I mean, over a quarter of their offense, as far as yards have come from 12 personnel, they're barely running it though. I mean, so much of their offense is coming from, but they're not running it enough uh, in 12 personnel for anyone who doesn't know that's one running back, two tight ends on the field. Noah Gray is a, a solid second tight end, provides another blocker, and gets rid of a wide receiver being on the field, uh, a unit that we know has had struggles. And lastly, Mahomes is turning over the football too much. That's never happened for a full season. It's happened for stints. He's going to be able to figure that out, and it, all of those connect to each other. But I think we are, the Chiefs are about to click. That's my take. I think this offense is about to click. I'm seeing the right pieces on the field. I'm seeing finally the coaching coming together for this to become a, a full-on solution. Yes, this offense can be fixed. I I agree with you. I I'd say I'd say false that they're they'll, they'll fix themselves and my take with it Mac is the constant wide receiver rotation. It's like they don't out of all these guys they don't know which ones they yep, like the best. They don't. They have no and, idea. And eventually that's going to change, Like especially toward the back half of the season. They're going to be, all right, these guys lock it in. Like They are going to play 80% of snaps. Um, and, and hopefully Rasheed Rice is one of those guys. I mean, him playing 75 last week shows me that it is. I mean, just two weeks ago, mm-hmm. we're talking about him playing 40, 50. This is the, this, he played more snaps than he has all year last week. So that's a great sign. That's really encouraging. And now they're headed into their bye week. And they'll come back off the bye week and host the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's going to be obviously a huge matchup for a bunch of reasons. The Super Bowl rematch, two of the top teams in the league, uh, all the storylines. Andy Reid playing his old team. I mean, just rehash all those old storylines. The Kelsey brothers, it's all going to be there. 
but Taylor un- Swift, Taylor know. Swift, of course, she used to be an Eagles fan. Now she's dating Travis, all the things underlying uh, way below the surface of all that is going to be who's getting the snaps at wide receiver off of a buy. And how does this chief's offense look? And I, again, I think they're going to start clicking. I'm glad we agree on that. Um, I, I know you like that. Michael P Ryan, random carry uh, uh, in the fourth quarter. Actually, thank you. Actually, uh, now I can go here and Andy Reed has to figure out this play calling third and one. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was the late third quarter. might have been fourth quarter here, though. I'd have to go back and look back. But you're third and one. You're third and less than one. And they're coming out in a light box. And we check out. We go to a pass play, play action, and we miss it. You're third and less than one. You have arguably the best in interior tandem on the offensive line in Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, and Trey Smith and, and against a light box with Pacheco, who's been an average to above average running back this season, and you don't hand it off. And not only that, you don't have a QB sneak in your bag because three seasons ago, a freak accident happened where Mahomes dislocated his knee. And since then, the Kansas City Chiefs have not run a regular QB sneak. And that's something else. If they can get that, not not like the Eagles, but if they can get a QB sneak, one where, hey, they can get a yard more often than not, like most QB sneaks which I think people have forgotten. That's just a regular thing. It's not just the Eagles. QB sneaks actually just work really well. If that can happen, and and now teams actually have to be wary of that in short yardage situations, and then you can pass out of a fake sneak with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, that is terrifying. And that is not in their bag at all. Andy Reid has to get that out of his head. If it's not a QB sneak, fine. I think he's wrong. But he has to start running it in short yardage situations. He has to. He has to. He has to. And yeah, LaMichael P. Ryan getting a random carry. I, I just, I, on a second and 10, I just, I can't even, man. I, I was so pissed. It's just ridiculous. It, it, it's hard to win games when you do things like that. This defense has been able to to get them over the hump multiple times. Okay. Sorry, I had to go on a little tangent there. Eric, I, I just couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. Uh Eric Bieniemy staying tangential here to what the Chiefs' offense once was. Uh, offensive coordinator, old offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, Eric Bieniemy, now offensive coordinator slash assistant head coach with the Washington Commanders. Um, Eric Bieniemy should have been hired as a head coach and had a bigger effect, and he had a bigger effect on the Chiefs' offense than he was given credit for. True or false? True. Yep. Agreed. I, I mean, just look at the job that Josh McDaniels did in in Las Vegas and tell me that Eric B shouldn't have been given that chance. Thank you. Compared to what, what McDaniels had in his resume. Thank uh, you. For, yeah. Yeah. I, I think the should have been given a chance and uh, maybe he will get a chance this season, next season. I should say. Yeah. We'll see riverboat Ron obviously has been on the hot seat now for over a season. He could be standing right next to his replacement and Eric B Ravens are the best team in the NFL. Based on the way they've played this year, so so far, I'm saying true. Yeah, right now. True. Yeah, just I, right I've been now. The, I've been the most I've been the most impressed by them by far of any team in the league. Um, they they've been the the offense is like finally Lamar. It looks like he has weapons at his disposal that he can go to. Uh, bear in mind, like it's not top notch. But Zay Flowers has proven to be a hell of a first-round pick for them. Uh, you, Rashad Bateman is is looking better than he did last season. I mean, you look at Odell; he gets a garbage time touchdown with Tyler Huntley in at quarterback. But you know, o, o, you've got Odell that's 
you know, hopefully by season's end will be in, in good form. Mark Andrews, of course, you know, the running the ball at will without a J.K. Dobbins that they went into the season expecting that they have at running back. I mean, you look at Keaton Mitchell, you look at Gus mm. Edwards, Justice mm-hmm. Hill, like they've got such a rotation of backs to go to that are producing, plus how lights out this defense has been. I 100% I'm saying the Ravens right now. Completely agree. Uh, and I think you mentioned at the end there too, the defense has been absolutely stellar. And it's crazy because, yeah, they've got some great players. I mean, Rokon Smith, a couple of these guys are are fantastic. But it's not like the star power that we see maybe, you know, Miles Garrett or Micah Parsons or TJ Watt kind of carry that weight. Uh, it's just every guy's doing their job for, for the Baltimore Ravens. And they fly around. They're extremely well coached. Uh, their defense is so much fun to watch. And then the offense has just figured it out under Todd Munkin. It took a couple of weeks. But guys are getting open. Uh, Lamar looks completely in control and comfortable. He's completing over 70% of his passes right now. And he's on pace to run for over 800 yards. Uh, which has never been done before. Uh, the, the the nearest is 500 yards, completing over 70% of their passes. So he could just completely trounce that record. And if you just take their last three games, just through three quarters of the last three games, you know, not counting fourth quarters of these last three, they have outscored their opponents 72 to 10. And the reason I don't count the fourth quarter is because it's garbage time. I mean, they just kind of stop. They're putting in different guys. They're running the ball. They're not trying to score. And teams are maybe putting up some garbage points against them. But if you just take the last three games through three quarters, 72 to 10. They're they're beating teams' asses right now, man. Yep. And to the way they beat Seattle's ass this week for a team that we talked about last Ooh. week, as a playoff contender, I mean, they led the NFC uh, West. I mean, they they looked like a good team going into this week, and for them to be just handed an ass whooping by the Ravens, it I think it spoke more about the Ravens than it did the Seahawks. Well, yeah, and and you look, they add uh, who was it, Leonard Williams? Yep. Yeah, they add Leonard Williams from the Giants, who's a who's a run stopper, a big guy. They already had a good run defense before adding him, and. Yeah, they, they, they just get wrecked on the ground. They get ran on all over by Baltimore. It was embarrassing. And that's now two opponents in a row in the NFC, the Lions and the Seahawks, two of you know the better teams in the NFC who have looked you know really solid this whole season. They've completely obliterated. It's been a clinic. It's been over before the half, before the first half. Uh, yeah, they're the Lamar, best right now. Lamar continues only one loss against NFC teams in his career. Wow. Oh, that's insane. Oh, God. Oh, I love him. He's so good. Okay. Um, uh, real quick here. Josh Daniels, worst coach in NFL history besides Urban Meyer. True. <laughs> True. 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 Started off career 6-0 and by cheating. Since then, he is 14-32. and uh, The AFC South could be the best quarterback division by 2025. Not next season, but the season after. You've got Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud, Will Levis, and Trevor Lawrence. I'm going to say true. Ooh. Oh, me too. I'm going to say true. It's it's I mean, crazy to think about, but yeah. I mean, these these guys have, uh, again, it's recency bias. We haven't seen uh, enough of, of Levis or of, or of Anthony Richardson, and some would say we haven't seen enough of C.J. Stroud. But my God, these guys all early on look amazing, look incredible. And then Trevor Lawrence, we already know he's done enough to prove that he's going to stay at the top in this league. I, 
I'm excited about this division in the next couple of seasons, especially with what the Texans are doing. And you've got the Jags already there. We'll see what the Titans and Colts do in these next couple of drafts. But yeah, this could be the best quarterback division. Uh, Yeah, both going true here. Uh, All right, last one. If the Giants finish with a top five pick, Alex, they should take quarterback. True or false? True. Oh, no. Uh, I was hoping that you'd say false and I'd have to get you to come to your senses and say, listen, he's not it, but you've already accepted that fate. Oh, that's even more sad. I'm so sorry. Matt, I, and I, I think honestly, I, I don't, I don't feel confident that Brian Dable and himself believes that Daniel Jones is his guy moving forward. And especially when I see guys like Caleb Williams and Clay and uh, Drake may on the board, I, I would like to take a chance on them and, and, and I would like to, I would like to see what they have because ultimately Daniel Jones has not by any means proven um, through his giants tenure that he's for sure going to be their franchise guy. Uh, he played great last season, but then you look at this season and, and again, we've talked about, I've talked about it endless times. It doesn't help the, the team that they put around him specifically at offensive line. Uh, but Still, he has not shown that ability to carry your team um, to, to be able to compete, um, you know, compete in playoffs and, and compete for a Super Bowl. I just don't think he has that capability within him, whereas guys like Caleb Williams and Drake May could be generational guys and franchise quarterbacks firmly. Um, and Daniel Jones is kind of like a, well, we've got no one else, so I guess he's our franchise guy. I think that's the right team building decision to move off and especially if you have a top five pick with this draft that's ahead this is the time to move forward i think that's the right move um let's go to some preseason takes here that was a fun true or false we'll do that again here later on i like that let's let's just first go through a couple of our preseason takes here real quick i'm just going to go through some of mine um that i posted on twitter you can find it's my pinned tweet um, I mentioned uh, Josh McDaniels being the first coach fired. That was an easy pick there. It was him or Stefanski for me, and I I, I got that right with McDaniels. Uh, I mentioned that the Dolphins are legit this year, Super Bowl legit, and it all relies on Tua's health. I don't feel terrible about that take, but also they've lost to the three really solid Super Bowl contenders that they have played, so I don't feel necessarily great about it either. You know, a couple of them here. Let's see. Uh, this year begins the devaluing of the wide wide receiver market due to rookie success. I think that's going to take time to tell if that's true, but man, I, I mean, these rookie wide receivers are stellar. Are they not? Yes. Agreed. And that's two years in a row. Now next season, it looks like it's going to be the same. Obviously Marvin Harrison jr. Heading up next year's class uh, could be absolutely generational. And then just looking here at some of my preseason division winners, I had the chiefs um and i had the Bengals winning the division i had them and the ravens both 12 and 5 tied with the same record but i had the ravens as the fifth seed a, a little frustrating it still could happen that way but i was so hot on the ravens and i backed out of the last second and, and then kind of similarly with afc south i was very hot on the jags but uh, you know started to kind of lean toward the tennessee titans and then i ended up going with the two-tone blue to win that division don't like that pick uh, i had the bills out of the playoffs before the season started i like that and then in the NFC, I had the 49ers and the Seahawks in. I had the Vikings and the Lions in. It looks like uh, the Vikings may or may not uh, be there. I think if Kirk Cousins doesn't get hurt, I think that's a correct take. I had the Saints in, and then I had the Eagles and the Cowboys both in. I think that's you know pretty solid. And I had uh, the Falcons just missing it 
at nine and eight. Then I had uh, well, just just put a sting right here. I had had the Giants ten and seven. So I was wrong about that. Sorry. Well, Mary. Mac, you weren't the only one because <laughs> I I had the Giants at eleven and six and creeping oh, into the playoffs. So sorry. Yikes. Yeah. And they'll be they'll be lucky if they go six and eleven now. And uh it's just sad. It's just sad. I'm sorry about that. I, I want I want to pat myself on the back though. Like I, I got that one wrong. I got the Ravens wrong that we talked about earlier. However, I did predict the Gi- the Jaguars would be a two seed and finish twelve and four. I love that. Yeah, I had the Jags as the seven seed because I had them just missing out on winning their division. But even then I think I would have had them as the four seed. Um, like I did the Titans at eleven and six, but yeah, that's a solid take. The Jags, the Jags are serious, and we need to keep watching them. Need to keep. I, I want to keep seeing them because it looks. You know, I still think there there is a gap between them and the Bengals, Ravens, and Chiefs, and I want to see if they can close that a little bit. But come playoff time, and that's what the second half of the season's for. Let's see if they can kind of just figure a couple of those things out, get a little more refined. We'll see what happens. All right, season awards. MVP right now, top five in odds. This is just going from FanDuel here. Mahomes leading the way in MVP odds, which is just abysmal. I'm sorry. He doesn't deserve that. And that's no. from a Chiefs fan. He doesn't. It's ridiculous. That's just the Mahomes effect. It's it's the, the respect that he's garnered and he's earned. Um, but that's ridiculous. He's at plus 240. Jalen Hurts in second, plus 320. Don't hate it. Lamar Jackson, plus 500. Tua, plus 650. Burrow, Plus 900, just as far as value is concerned. If you're thinking about betting, if you're a betting man, plus 900, Joe Burrow is a steal. Grab that. Uh, who's your MVP right now? I'd go Lamar. Easy. Yes. I guess my kind of sleeper pick on that, Tyreek. Is that much of a sleeper? It, it is because he won't win it because he can't. It's not because he shouldn't be up for consideration, um, but it's a quarterback award. It just is. It won't happen. Mm-hmm. It just, yeah. it just won't happen. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, I think, would be right there, too. Him and Tyreek, as far as non-quarterbacks for MVP, I think CMC mm-hmm. would be right there with Tyreek. But it just can't happen. Um, it You could argue that it should or shouldn't, whatever you want to say. Um, but it is a quarterback award, and they ought to maybe just change it to that. But that's all right. Um, to where Tyreek might win, though, is Offensive Player of the Year. And he's at plus 140, leading the way. CMC right behind him at plus 160. And then a jump to plus 600 in A.J. Brown. Then an even bigger jump, a leap to plus 2,000 in Jamar Chase. And then C.D. Lamb, uh, another big leap over there to plus 3,500. Yeah, I'd, I'd take Tyreek there. Um, but I don't I don't hate the A.J. Brown value in that. Yeah, I, I, value-wise, I think you're correct on A.J. Brown. But also, if you want to just go with Jamar Chase, too, if you, if you like the value so much at, at, as Joe Burrow MVP, then there's a better chance that, hey, that's going to take a lot of Jamar Chase, I think what would steer me away from that decision is the back issues that Jamar Chase has just now stumbled upon. It seems he was pretty pessimistic in his comments this week after the game, as far as how he felt. And he's just like, yeah, I'll just have to give my best effort, be there for the team. It was a lot of comments of that ilk where it was like, wait, you don't sound like you're hundred percent at all. I mean, it's a lower back issue. Different from comments earlier in the year when Burroughs hurt and he's saying, I'm always open. Yeah, exactly. I'm always open. I'm here. No, it's 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 not that. And we know yeah, we know Chase exactly. I mean, that's that's a perfect way to paint the picture. This is a confident guy. I mean, extremely confident in his abilities. And I didn't get that sense 
from his comments in this back injury. So for that reason, I I, I would not vote for him. But yeah, I, I think Tyreek's it. I think though, man, CMC dude, he the touchdowns is where he would win this. He just has he has touchdowns every game. He's getting yep. a touchdown, and so that's going to be uh, the difference maker in that whole run. Let's go to defensive player of the year here. Now, this is another close race. This has been fun to watch. You've got a tie at the lead of odds right now. Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett, both at plus 190. TJ Watt at plus 250. And then that's where the jump happens. Matt Crosby, um, who should be fourth, and he should get his name mentioned here, plus 3,300. And then um, one of the more overrated players, I think, right now. Not that I don't think he's good, but Aiden Hutchinson at plus 4,000. I'm sorry. That's just, that's trash. That's I mean, garbage. to put him behind, to put him like Max Crosby deserves to be in that conversation, hundred percent with with Parsons, with yes, um, w- with the rest of those Garrett and Watt. He deserves to be there, but Aiden Hutchinson is such a drop off from the way those four guys have played off the edge this season. No, I think it's ridiculous, and this also kind of tells you is is DPOY just turning into an edge rusher award? I mean, and and I know you look at it, but I mean, shit, Fred Warner is incredible. Why is Fred Warner not above Aiden Hutchinson? Is it just because the defense is better? I, I don't know. I mean, it can't be because it's, Miles it's, Garrett and TJ Watt and Parsons are all on three incredible defenses. You need an incredible, you need a good defense to win DPOI. That's kind of what it takes. I Hutchinson being there annoys me, but I guess it's irrelevant. Who do you have here? I I like the TJ Watt value there, but I I feel like if the Browns, like we talked about earlier, if the Browns find their way into the postseason, I think Miles Garrett would get it um but it it could be reversed if the Steelers find their way in terms of TJ Watt gets it but I look Max Crosby I like I know he's not going to win at the end of the day because the Raiders are probably odds are not going to finish that great but I feel like he should be a top three vote getter and, and finish top three for this award the way he's played and basically carried this defense on his back and really motivated this team to even fight week in, week out. Um, he's been impressive to watch this season. So I, I think it'll end up in Miles Garrett or TJ Watt's hand, but Max Crosby deserves a lot of credit um, for the way he's played this season too. He does. He, he's got a hell of a heart. I don't agree with top three in voting. I'd have I'd have Parsons, Garrett, and Watt above him. But yeah, I think... Those, re- those guys are just so good, Mac. Like, they are. That, that's the thing. It's like... They're so there's clearly far and away the top three defensive players in our league, and it's like yes, okay, sure they're t- they're top three in DPOY, but it's like for a guy like Max Crosby for the season that he's putting up, you'd be okay. That's better than what Max Crosby customarily puts up, so he should deserve more praise for what he gets. Well, and again, it goes back to Max Crosby's never had a good defense around him. It takes having other guys to to monitor as far as an offense is concerned to be able to have an impact as a defensive player. He doesn't have that. He's never had that around him. Their secondary is, is like Swiss cheese and they really don't have a, a lot else in the front seven to speak of. Uh, I think this is Garrett or TJ Watt as far as who's going to win this award. And it's not because they're better than Micah Parsons or have it more of an effect. It's because those offenses aren't going to be in as the storyline. Those offenses aren't going to be winning them the games. Whereas you look at the Cowboys it's totally plausible that Dak goes out and has a great game and, and Pollard goes and runs for a couple touchdowns. We just talked about CeeDee Lamb being up there as offensive player of the year. Uh, you look at Garrett and Watt, for those guys to win and have a chance in any of the games, they have to be incredible. They have to be a, mm-hmm. a, a, just world beaters. 
And I I don't necessarily see that for Parsons, even though he has been this season. So yeah, give me give me Garrett. Give me Miles Garrett. He hasn't won it yet. Give me Miles Garrett. Um, coach of the year. Dan Campbell plus two ten. D'Amico Ryan's plus four hundred. Mike McDaniel plus four fifty. Salah, O'Connell, and Sirianni all tied at plus fourteen hundred. So I, I think Dan Campbell would win this award if the, the Lions win their division. But and and, and make the playoffs there, you know. But why? They were favored to. But, but why? They were I, that, favored that, to win. That's Mac, that's precisely what I'm gonna say. Is D'Amico Ryans deserves this award purely for the for the turnaround that he's had with this team. Now Dan Campbell deserves credit for turning the Lions around in two seasons, but for them, their division is so weak. Um and, and their competition has been fairly weak um so far this season, to where the Texans were abysmal to watch last year and for D'Amico Ryans to turn that team into competing every single week um, for as much youth as they have too, it, I, I think D'Amico Ryans deserves a lot more credit um, for, I, I just think he's done more hit the project that he's put forth. He's done such so much more of a turnaround than Dan Campbell has and to do it in one season compared to now two seasons for Dan Campbell. I just give D'Amico Ryan's a lot more credit for it. But I, I think at the end of the day, Dan Campbell's such a love story for NFL writers and fans to where he'll get it if the, the Lions win the division. And I hate that. I, I love Dan, but that's just not that's not who the, the award should go to. They they were favored to win. They were favored to be a good team. They're doing what they were supposed to do. Uh, if he wanted to win coach of the year, that was last year or the year before. Really what pisses me off when I look at this list is – Kevin O'Connell at plus 1,400, that's something to grab right now. Uh, if they keep winning games with Josh Jobs, uh, that that should that, that number is going to go down significantly. Those odds are going to go against your favor here. You should grab Kevin O'Connell right now. Why is Mike McDaniel number three at plus 450? This Dolphins team has been, has been great. I, I mean, I get it. It's a tough division. They ne- weren't necessarily favored to win. But why is he third? What has he really done? I mean, I get it. He's a great coach. He's a great offensive mind. But... It's nothing different than what it was last year. Nick Sirianni, for instance, no roster turnover. They add, you know, uh, we're going to get to it. They add the defensive rookie of the year. It's I'm not spoiling anything. Trust me, we'll go through the odds. They add, you know, another great player in the first round. Again, no roster turnover. They were in the Super Bowl last season. They're in the NFC. Why is he tied for fifth year? Nick Sirianni should not be up here. And, and then again, not to be a homer here, but why isn't Andy Reid even in the mentioning? You know, you and I was bashing him for some of his play calls, but you look at the roster turnover there, you look at what he's had to deal with. And I'm not saying that he should be up there, but it's just I don't know why Sirianni's mentioned here. I I, I really don't. Um, you know, you go down here, Pete Carroll, he should be higher on this list. Kevin mm-hmm. Stefanski should be higher on this list. Uh coach of the year is something that someone that, gets, that you thought was gonna get fired, but okay. Someone that uh, hey. I'll take my L there. That's fine. He's, he's, he's impressed me. I'll take my L. I, I will. I was wrong about Stefanski. I don't think know if he's elite yet, but what he's doing this year has, I mean, he's proving himself. Um, being able to win without one side of the ball being anything, being relevant at all. I, I, I just, these odds tick me off. And yeah, give me, give me D'Amico. Shane, give me D'Amico. Shane Steichen. Shane Steichen. Shane Steichen. Yes. Shane Steichen. Absolutely. Why is he all the way down at plus 8,000? 
Why is that happening? I don't understand. I don't get it. I, I, I've, I've been, I've been mad about this for a while. I mean, I was a guy, I can't remember, this is 2019, 2020, Brian Flores with the Miami Dolphins. They were, you know, talked about going 0-16. They ended up going 6-10, and I believe. And I was all about him being the coach of the year. They won, you know, six of their last seven games or whatever it was. They ended the season so strong. And I just, I was so in on that. I don't need you to have a 12-5 and record an 11 and 6 record. I don't need you to win your division necessarily. I I I don't think the precedents that we've set for coach of the year tick me off. Offensive rookie of the year. I mean, do we have to go through this? CJ Stroud minus 550, Puka plus 750, Gibbs plus 1500, Bijan plus 2400 and then <laughs> Will Levis in fifth at plus 3100. The dude's played two games. But okay. Uh, so this is CJ minus five fifty. It's without a doubt. I mean, you'd have to get hurt. Knock on wood. Yep. And and Puka, I feel like between him and Jameer Gibbs, he has such a sizable lead between those two. So I think it's if CJ doesn't get hurt, it's Puka's award. But CJ stays healthy, it's it's his award to lose. If if Arthur Smith were to get brainwashed tomorrow and come to his senses and give Bijan 25 touches a game, he could close that gap really quickly. But we both know that's not going to happen. Um, and then another race that's just not much to speak of right now, defensive rookie of the year, Jalen Carter, minus 380. Devon Witherspoon, who's been an absolute monster for the Seahawks, plus 300. Brian Branch, a player that I love out of Alabama for Detroit, plus 1,500. Will Anderson, for Houston, he's been another great defensive rookie, plus 2,000. And then Byron Young hasn't been talked about a lot. He's a linebacker for the L.A. Rams. The NFL. Yep, thank you. Go Vols. Uh, and he's been fantastic for them, plus 2,500. But again, I mean, Jalen Carter at minus 380, this isn't even much of a discussion. Unfortunately so, but I, I like that you mentioned Witherspoon there. Like, I, I don't think people... Beast. Be people realize for one who he is and just how well he's played this year. I mean, he is he's been a force on that that Seahawks defense. So, yep, I, I think it's Carter's <clears throat> award to lose. But I, I like the I like the Witherspoon value. Like if you, if you want to take a flyer on someone, I I wouldn't hate taking the Witherspoon value on it. Completely agree. I, I don't hate that at all. I think Witherspoon, it's going to have to do with his team as well, which is just part of how these awards go. It's another reason Carter has an advantage. He's on the Eagles who have, uh, you know, Super Bowl aspirations. But the defense is so stacked, Mac. It's so I know, stupid. I know it. I know it. I know it. And he's not getting double teams ever. And, you know, he's not like Witherspoon who's out on an island against the team's best wide receiver regularly. Yeah, it's different. It is. Um, but he's been a men amongst boys, even in, in the National Football League in his first year. Carter's been... Absolutely unstoppable. He's been a wrecking ball. It's been fun to watch. Um, that does it for episode 10 of the Behind the Box Score podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And I think episode 11 may be coming out here actually pretty soon. I may be joined tomorrow, which would be Wednesday, November 8th. We'd release that on Thursday um, by Rhett Bryan, part of Titans Radio, and talk a little bit about how Will Levis has officially been named the starter. Talk about the Titans season just in general, their future, where they go. And we'll just talk for 20 or 30 minutes, something quick. Um, just with uh, Titans-focused content. And then, of course, we'll have another NBA pod out with Asher and Alex and myself. Um, but until then, 
Stay tuned to the Behind the Box Score podcast. Go find us on Twitter. Email us with any questions, any preseason takes that you had that you loved. Uh, bboxscore at gmail.com. And make sure and subscribe to the podcast. Make sure and be following us. And thank you so much for listening. Ten episodes down. I can't wait to do it uh, a lot more times. Uh, I was going to say ten more times. I'll do it a lot more than just ten more times. Trust me. Uh, we'll be back here very shortly. Thank you so much again to listen in to Behind the Box Score.